On today's episode, Dave interviews Tamara Holder. Tamara is a contributor to Fox News Channel's Hannity. She is also a lawyer, a frequent guest on CNN, HLN, and has written for the Huffington Post. On location at Fox News in New York City, I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Well, first off, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I, I don't know how you do it. This is the main thing I really want to talk about, because I have such trouble holding my political tongue, and I have such trouble keeping the my anger and frustration in and what i've watched you do especially with this guy cunningham yes bill cunningham bill cunningham and what i watch you do is just go uh-uh and you don't jump on it you know what i mean yeah you don't jump on it how do you not jump on it well i think that a lot of it is what you do which is which is training to be aware and alert and understand your situation. And so I think in the beginning when I started, it's it, it was trying to, and this is every day I'm still doing this, trying to build a craft and an art. And so what may have upset me five years ago now is an opportunity for something else. And that's what's really interesting is I've, I feel like now I've, I'm able to look at my counterpart for an opportunity to to see the silliness in what a person is saying and then maybe get them kind of like improv, the yes and. Yes, you're crazy and show me how crazy you are. Right, you know, right. Like, so, it's, so what you're saying is I'm going to give you enough rope to hang yourself. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that sort of thing? Right, but it's also, it's, um, it's unintentional. What do you I mean think, it's unintentional? What's well, unintentional? I think it's just because I've taken the emotion out of it on my side, now, granted, I still walk away from a lot of interviews where I'm like, I need a, I need a martini I was thinking or a about the one, or The something. one that I saw where he, he, he essentially did the white man thing, which is, oh, are you going to cry? When he said, he said are you going to cry? How do you walk away? Like, do you go, good job, Bill. Like, we, we did good out there. Or do you, do you just walk away and go, what a fucking asshole? That was, see, that was a situation where I was really shocked because I know Bill Cunningham and I have a cell phone number and, you know, we'll text before show and say, good luck, he, 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 don't, don't kick my ass, whatever, jokingly. And so he, it was like, I was just really shocked by his, by his demeanor because I know that he's an over the top guy. Right. But it was like, it was out of line and, and he got really beaten up over that. I, see, I, I just, I just, I just watched it. I didn't see what was attached to it, like other people's comments or anything like that. So I don't know what the fallout was of that. But you're saying there's, that, he- yeah, they're still talking about it. If you go to like Mediaite or Media Matters mm-hmm. or right. any of those, that's where I saw it on Media Matters. Yeah, too. yeah. Where and 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 so it was like on Mediaite. It was one of the biggest fights in television of the year of all of the TV fights. That was a year ago, right? Yeah, that was um, 2013. Yeah, it was 2013. In June. Yes, right. June 2013. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and what were people saying? I would say that 90% of the response was, this guy's a total jerk. Right. Did he, did he talk to you about that at all? Well, the response was that I think there were people that wanted him to lose his job because he has a radio show. Right. And um, so I think that maybe he was a little scared. And, and I would never want anyone to lose their job. I don't care, unless you're an absolute violent, despicable person. I understand that some people just take it to whatever they lo- level they think is appropriate. Not that I agree with it or not, but obviously some people like him because he goes back on TV. Right. He is getting paid by radio. You know, right. he has a, a TV show like Jerry Springer-esque. Oh, does he? Yeah. Uh-huh. So I would never want to take food out of someone's mouth. And not only that, it wasn't necessary. I mean, I don't think it was egregious. I don't think it was something. I mean, it was like, really? You're going to say that? But I don't think it was way over the top. Yeah, it was borderline. It was borderline, but it wasn't anything. It was one of those things that were totally. And here's the thing. I expected him to say that. Right. That's and that's what's really sad, because we had we had a follow up interview. Who's we? You and Bill me. Cunningham and I had another uh-huh. interview like a month later. And I said, I, I started with saying, look, I think we owe it to the American people to apologize for that kind of conversation. And 
he again went off. And I even brought, um, Sean Hannity makes fun of me because I'm a pro-marijuana person. Right. I'm hugely pro-marijuana. Mm -hmm. And so he always says that I'm high. And, you know, it's, it's a joke. So I brought him some gummy bears and I put on there, um, I wrote on the, on the front of it, Hannity Happy Candy. As if they were edible, edibles, marijuana gummy right. bears, and so you know, I was like, here, you know, have a gummy bear. Like it was totally just, and and it it didn't work, you know. He then um, Cunningham then proceeded to say that I, because my hair was kind of like curly and fluffy, that I was a fair faucet wannabe. Right, I did see that somewhere. Like what the fuck, dude? <laughs> do you find just because you're also doing stand up? Do you find, and this is what I found, what. When I was at Second City and we'd have a group of liberals who bought out the house, um, it, this, it was destined to be a shitty show because liberals can't laugh at themselves, I don't think. I, I think conservatives can laugh at themselves, but I think a lot of conservatives, I don't like their sense of humor. Right. Am I making sense? Yeah, because it, it, the sense of humor is usually an attack. A laugh comes from an, uh, like a really hurtful attack. Right. Um, but you know, that's really, it's, it's an interesting issue that should be, I think, more fully just researched and looked into. It's just the role of politics and comedy, especially now. I mean, with Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert and um, Bill Maher, these guys, most young people get their news from them now. Right. And then on top of that, news people are using their shows and what they say. Who's, news people are using who's there when you say there. So news, other news sources. Okay, are using Colbert. Colbert and, and Martin, what they right. say in, about politics. Right. To represent either A, news. Right. Or B, a liberal position. Right. You know, um, that Bill Howard Maher, Kurtz, what Howard Kurtz, is that the guy's name that's on Fox that got that, that um, he, Colbert, Colbert said something about him and he went off on Colbert, just like last week. Yes. That's, is that the guy's name? Kurtz. Yes. Kurtz. Kurtz. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I don't talk about what, how other people respond in TV. Um, other, well, other Fox people or just other people that are also in TV, you know, that may work for CNN or whatever, because I may work with them. I know, right? Time. Right. So, um, so, and that's the other thing about the whole Cunningham situation. It's like, as much as, as, as it was, there was something about what he said that was hurtful because I thought we were friends. You know, there there's friend boundaries right. where we can, like with Sean Hannity, I think he is such a great guy and he picks on me and he picks and he picks like, it's like, it's, it's having a finger poked in your chest, but he knows what makes him so great is he doesn't cross that line. The line of personal. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the line of personal. And if it's going to be personal, it's more like, well, you're a liberal. Right. It's the liberal thing. <laughs> right. Instead of the, you know, you're part of a group of thinkers. Your thinking is, is effed up. Right. Not who you are. Not because you're a woman. Right. And so that's what makes him, I think, how he gets so far and how he's done so well. I think, so I look at somebody like that I look at somebody, what, what you're saying, and I appreciate that, because um, I do have a different feeling about him than I do O'Reilly, because Bill O'Reilly, because I look at Bill O'Reilly and I think, he, he, he's more of a bully, this is what I think. He's more of a bully, and I'm afraid of him. I'm not afraid of Sean Hannity. I think everyone has a different reaction to that, and that's what makes them both so successful, Right. is that no matter who you talk to, whether it's about Hannity, O'Reilly, and Coulter. Right. That, I, was, I was about to throw her in. Yeah. That. It's, it's that you well. have an emotion. Right. And same with Ann Coulter. People say, I hate her, or I love her, or whatever it is. But that is what makes somebody so great in this business, is that when somebody, number one, somebody knows who they are. Right. Everyone knows who they are. And number two, an emotion comes with it. Right. That's so interesting because the worst thing that you could feel about someone is no feeling at all. Yeah, it's like getting a text message from a guy you're dating and you're like, oh, 
and then you move on to your, right, <laughs> you move right, on to right, like whatever right, you're doing right, and you don't right. respond. And then you're going through your text messages late at night and you look, oh shoot, I forgot to, I forgot to respond to that guy. Oh, well, never mind, delete. Right, right. And it's the energy that comes in. It's like walking, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, like there are certain people that you look at that when they walk in the room, you go, oh, that person's here. And then the other piece that people that walk in the room and you go, oh, that person's here. And we all carry around that energy when somebody looks at you. They're inspired by you in some way, in some right. fashion. Or versus walking into the room and nobody notices. Right. Oh, right. Or they, they look and they walk away. How and what person do you want to be? Because you really are, you really are um, setting yourself up. You really are, uh, you're, you're carrying that energy around. And I love the fact that when I walk into a room, I feel energized by the people that I'm with. And I think I feel energized by the people with because the people feel energized about me. Right. And it's a symbiotic relationship. And it's about creativity. It's about I feel safe around you. And those three people that you just mentioned, yes, I have an emotional connection to them, but I don't know that I, I don't, I don't trust them. I, for me, I don't trust them with my emotion. I, I'm, growing up, I always felt like I was picked on. And maybe who didn't? You know, growing up, I always felt like I was picked on. And those type of people that I felt were bullies or didn't take, didn't empathize with me, I felt like I couldn't trust them. Right. And, but the thing is, is that, again, trust is also an emotion mm -hmm. as well as, I, I guess, a state of being. But it's an emotion. Can, am, am I safe? Do I have, because what, what, what comes with trust or lack of trust is anxiety. And so if you are, if you are looking at somebody and saying, I don't trust them, well, what comes with it? Anxiety, fear. And those are the things that, that Malkin, Coulter, Hannity, O'Reilly, all of the greats can get from you. They right. can get the emotion. And so being a liberal is also, and going against them or debating them, the hardest thing is to understand, and Ann Coulter gave me this advice once. I, I said to her uh, when I first started on TV, and she's she's a wonderful person, and people are just shocked to hear that. <laughs> well, it depends, you know, who I'm talking to. Right. I'm talking to conservatives, they're like, great, I, I thought so, I love her. But then I tell liberals, and they're like, really, are you sure? We're talking about the are same person? Sure? The right. really thin, right. beautiful blonde, that one? Yes, of course, there's only one. Um, and she said, if you're not ruffling feathers, you're not doing your job. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but you still have to believe what it is that you're saying. So you're not just ruffling feathers just to, just to be a feather ruffler. Right. right. And you still, I look at that and I appreciate a strong point of view. As a matter of fact, I teach, uh, you know, have a strong point of view. You've got to have a strong point of view. But if you're doing and I'm not here to, to fight with her. I'm not here to, to deny what it is. But I, I feel like, yes, that emotional energy, I get all riled up about that. But um, I feel like, are you doing it? Are you saying these things because you believe it? Or are you saying these things to ruffle feathers? Well, and I, I don't know. I can't. I'm not asking you to answer. No, no, no. I, yeah, I mean, I, I would think I've spent time with all of, with, um, with Ann Coulter and, with Sean Hannity and, and Bill O'Reilly. And, and I think that they really do believe what they say mm -hmm. um, because that's also what makes them great. If you're a fraud, and I've seen a lot of people come and go in this business, and, um, and I'm still, I feel young in the business, but you can, you can smell them out. Right. And, and they may be a rising star for a minute, and then they disappear. Why? Because somewhere along the line, a producer sniffed it out or... You know, I was on with a girl once who um, I was on O'Reilly with her a lot from Chicago. I, I don't even remember her name. And they were putting us on together all of the time. Like once a week for five or six times. And they don't tell you why they're putting, they're, they're, they, they're not saying, um, we think this person would be good because there's going to be dynamic there. They're well, just you putting, know. Right, but you know. But they're you not, know. there's no yeah. producer saying that to you. No, they'll I, just I, say, They'll say, hey, uh, can you do the show tonight to talk about Proposition 8? I think that's what we were debating. The, um, the anti-gay anti law in, in California. California. Right. And uh, this was before it had gone. It, this was when it was had before the district court 
uh, this is before, argument. Right. This is just, you're saying it's, it just was when it passed? Yeah, it, was, it was before, I think it was during the, the, the oral arguments before the district court mm -hmm. in California. And so this was like 2009-ish or whatever. And, um, and so, of course, because it it's, has to do with sexuality, it's a great issue to, for conservatives and people on either side to really debate. Right. Um, you know, there are certain things like homosexuality, abortion, those are things that automatically have emotion that come with and it. gun control and gun control. Yeah. Right. So you know that that it's going to be that sparks are going to fly. And I also know that from those when I speak from about those issues that there are just going to be so many people that I can't convince it, of my position. And and uh, and and that I think that's a major thing right there is. I look at people and I, it's so awesome to go, I'm never going to convince you. You're going to reach that point that you're going to reach when you reach that point. D does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I can't convince, I'm not here to convince you. And that's something that I've never heard, which I'm going to remember, because I think that's what I struggle with. And, and um, maybe, I, hopefully I'm not alone in this, but it's hard to come to that realization because the, the emotions of wanting to do my job and what does a preacher want to do? A preacher doesn't want to just talk about the Bible. A preacher also wants to convince the person that what they're saying is, is right or, or that God's word is right or whatever. And so not that I see myself as a preacher, but... You kind of are. <laughs> but I, I don't want to just be seen as somebody who's a talking head. Right. I want to be seen as somebody that's like, wow. I can provoke, that woman, Tamara, can provoke somebody to, can provoke me to think about something from a different position. Yes. And all that you can do, all that you can do is state your truth. So when you say that there's a charlatan, that, that somebody that is a flash in the pan, that you said you've seen a lot of people come, a lot of people go, yeah. I think it's because they're not stating their truth. You know what I mean? And when you're saying your truth, all, for me, I feel like I'm not here to convince you of anything. I am here to just have you listen to what it is that I'm doing. And one day, you're going to hear what it is that I'm, that I'm saying. And when I say one day you're going to hear it, it's going to echo in your head, and you're going to go, oh, that's what David meant. Right. And also, not only state your truth, but you have to be your truth. You have to be, you have to know who you are. And that's also something that comes through on TV, that... I think why there are people that are easy come, easy go. Like the, the girl that I was talking about, she, I later found out that she was, um, had worked for a union. And here's this, like, here's this, like, anti, like, hardcore conservative who's like, and, and so it's like, you know, just, it's okay to be anti-gay. That's right. fine. And still be conservative. But, like, come on. Be like, be who you be. This is you're you're not as what you're putting yourself out to be. Right. And and we all have have done different things in our lifetime that probably represent different sides of the political aisle. But you can't mask your truth. No. Well, what happens is when you try to mask your truth, your words don't come out. They don't come out that way. You you when you, you know when someone's lying because you're looking and going, you're having trouble saying what it is you're feeling right now because you're lying and you're a lawyer, right? Yes. So, and I, I don't think you've done, you haven't done trial stuff, have you? Oh yeah. So you do trial, right, of course Terminal you have because defense. you're, right, that, right. So you know, you know, you inherent, you inherently know when someone's lying because the, what they're saying doesn't make sense. And so on the other side of that is when someone is speaking their truth, it's eloquent. It is glib. They are able to get that out. And you go, wow, I, I was just, that wind just came, that knocked me over, that wind of truth. Right. The best example of that is Dr. Michael Bodden, who is a forensic pathologist. He is, he is the Mr. Forensic Pathology Extraordinaire. He testified for OJ. He, um, he had an HBO series. He testified series. for OJ? Yes. He was on OJ's that, he was that on, side. Yes. And he's a mentor and friend of mine. He still does autopsies. He still testifies. He's in his 70s now, um, I believe. I don't want to misstate his age. <laughs> but I, I, anyway, he, um, but the thing about that is that 
when he walks into, rumor has it that when he walks into a courtroom, the other side is like, oh, shit. This, we're, we're going to lose. Because when he talks to a jury, even if there's the other coroner, the other evidence as to what happened to a guy when he died, when Dr. Bodden walks in, he is so speaking his truth that it's, you know, it's like flowers just flying out of his mouth. I know. <laughs> you know? Even though he's talking about a dead guy, he's it's talking flowers. about it with flowers. I love that. It's flowers. That's so funny. Um, but that is true. And that's why there are preachers that we look at and we go, oh, I get it, man. I get it. But watching what's going on with with uh, Governor Christie right now, I'm thinking, well, I'm not understanding what you're saying. I'm not understanding what you're saying because I, there's something missing in that story. And when the truth is trying to get out and it's not getting out, everything backs up. All the other concepts back up. Do you understand what I mean? Oh, well, and they pile up. And they pile up in your conversation. And so what happens is you're not thinking you're not firing on all cylinders mentally because you're also working to hide something. Right. And when you're mentally working to hide something, you are using the calories and the BTUs, your energy, to go, don't say that, don't say that, keep saying that, keep saying that. And your focus is split. And when your focus is split, there can't be a split focus. There's no, no such thing. No. Either you focus on one thing or you focus on something else. Right. I'm sorry, either you focus right, either you focus on one thing or you focus on something else. Right. And that's why the whole the, the idea of of being present in the situation is if you're just if you're not focused on especially in TV, your lie or your your um, oh no, did what I say before line up with what I'm saying now, if you're not worried about that, because you know I'm i I'm gonna give my truth. And if somebody says, well, she said something different two years ago. There's always going to be a way to, to explain it. And I'm not saying in a negative way, like to explain it away, but to say, okay, well, my, here, my opinion changed over the past two years. Or it's, it's, if you're just worried, if you're not worried about what you said before, because you're not sure of it, then you have, um, you, you don't have to worry about getting, getting caught up. Well, it's what Mark Twain said. He said, um, it, uh, uh, when you speak the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Right. That's exactly what it is. He said it a lot more eloquently than I did. I don't even think I'm <laughs> saying as eloquently as he said it. That's a paraphrase. Uh, thank God he's not around for me for him to, to text me and go, really, Dad? Yeah. Really? Um, but I, but that, that's, again, going back to, to Governor Christie, I'm looking and going, I don't understand what you're talking about. And then when, when with, uh, go, we'll go back to Bill Clinton, when he was talking about the Monica Lewinsky thing, and you watched him and you're like, dude, you're holding something back. You're not making sense. It doesn't make sense. And when I'm, improv when I'm, when I'm directing a student and I look at them and I'm saying, okay, stop. What do you feel right now? Right now, what do you feel? Because you're saying that you like him. What do you feel right now? I don't really like him. Then fucking say that. Yeah, and and that's what's great about TV as well because you're in you're so in the moment and you don't get to redo your scene. <laughs> you don't get to do that. And and it's really what I'm really trying to work on is getting the working on my improv while I'm in TV in the moment and being present not to what I've studied or what I want to say, because I know it, you know, it, it, I, I read this stuff every single day. Mm -hmm. I know what to say when, when I hear something. Um, you know the response to, to say when you, you know, you know the, the technical respo response. Okay. Yeah, I know the technical response, but it's being present in the moment to see those opportunities and say, um, um, yes, and... You know, yes, and what, whatever, whatever the person's talking about. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but uh, well, it's the idea of of the, the the speaking of the truth and following through on that, and all that sort of all that stuff, all that stuff. Because the yeah, live, you're saying that live TV forces you to do that because you can't go back, you can't take it back. That moment that you're in, you're in that moment. Oh, and also, and I'm not having you as a coach to stand there and say. Okay, well, you said that, but how do you really feel? I <laughs> effing hate this guy that's right. sitting next to me. Okay, right. show it. Right. 
You know, because there are and, times that people ask me, are you tired? Were you tired? What do you mean you were tired? Well, because maybe I'm not in the moment. Got it. And that's what they see. And I'm like, actually, no, I wanted to punch that person. Right, right. And you, I think there's also something about taking the high ground of when that Bill Cunningham has his finger in your face, that when he has his finger in your face, you just got to sit, you get to sit there because his reaction to what you're doing is not your reaction. Do you understand? His reaction to what, I mean, he's doing that. You, he's got, trying to get a rise out of you. And the best thing that you could do is just not, okay, this is it. How do you want to have it, how do you create an improv scene? Uh, how do you create an argument scene? An argument scene, because in improv you always say don't have an argument scene. Um, how do you create an argument scene? Two people have the same point of view. That's how you do it. You're angry and that person's angry. It's boring. Right. This person's angry and this person's not. This person's angry, this person's distracted. This person's angry, this person's humiliated. We have that scene. So you are smiling throughout this interview. And this guy's, he's, he's, he's eyebrowing you. Like, <laughs> my God, and pointing at you. And you're like smiling and smiling. I was so confused. People it, were asking me why I was smiling. And right. I'm like, because I'd said, you know, you know he'd sent me this text message before. And right. I, I was like. And you can't be on air and go, <laughs> dude, we're friends. Right. It was so, it was like, it was literally like somebody just walking up to you and just slapping you on the ass. Your friend. <laughs> just like, whoa. There was something else that you said I wanted to, I like the idea of you said this thing two years ago and now you feel this way, whatever that is. I think that we're all entitled to and expected to and we're alive to and living in a culture where we can evolve. I want to evolve. That feeling that I had two years ago, I get to change that. That emotion that I had two minutes ago, I get to change that. And it doesn't make me a weaker person. It makes me a human being living on this planet. Right. But I also think that in order to change, you also have to have the present mentality that you may change. Right. And there are so many people that, that don't even, aren't even present to the fact that, okay, I am anti gay, forget anti-gay marriage, just anti-gay, gay is bad, 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 that maybe five years down the road, your son, shockingly, may come out and be gay. Like, your, your kid that's in, in high school may come out in college. Like, and, and there was actually a congressman recently who um, was the anti-gay. Right. Congressman, and then his son came out, right. and it was around election, the election time, and I think maybe he was going to run, or he was being considered for vice president, I don't remember who it is. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well my son came out, and it was years ago that his son came out. Right. And so now just... I'm able to have a conversation, now it's okay, now that it affected my, who I am. It, his truth, he was then able to live in a world that isn't about um, jingoism and that isn't about philosophy. It's a world that he lives in. That's a world of his life, his son, his flesh and blood. That, what's more real than that? What is, what is a, what's a greater lesson than that? And if we're all open up to the idea of, I mean, you say five years down the line, but what about tomorrow? What about a minute from now? Because right now, I want to have a conversation with somebody about gun rights where they go, bit, 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 and I go, wait a minute. I want to go out and get a gun now. I'm waiting for someone because I am open towards change. As an improviser, you've got to be, as an artist, you've got to be, as somebody who's doing stand-up, which is what you're doing, you've got to look at stuff in a very different way now, right? Yes. And because it's not about facts. One in one is going to be two for as long as I think that is going to happen. But I am not going to have this particular philosophy about coffee. I can never see myself not liking coffee. Maybe one day I won't like coffee. Right. For a million reasons. Right. And, and maybe you know, that it has a million carcinogens in it. Or maybe it's just like a, a <laughs> friend of mine likes coffee and he and I are no longer friends. And fuck Jim. He yeah. like, I'm not going to be a Jim lover, coffee guy. You know, because I thought, for me, I felt like, uh, uh, I felt I will smoke pot every single day of my life. That's what I thought. And I don't anymore. I thought that when I was 17. Right. I get to change. And and that's why I feel what I feel is missing in American politics and we've become such a divided country is that 
we don't allow people to change and we don't and we don't allow ourselves to change that's it that's it it's it's that we just got to be you know have this position and we've got to maintain the status quo for whatever reason but it's not it's not our truth and you know i i just there's an article that i just wrote and submitted it as, as an op-ed um an op-ed for what it, well it's an op-ed to um the washington post mm -hmm. and if not then i'll i'll post it maybe on huffington post or whatever hopefully it'll be printed but a couple of weeks ago el chapo the biggest drug lord ever larger than then Pablo Escobar was captured. And he was captured in Mexico. He was captured with the help of American authorities. We used a drone to, or with Mexican authorities, we used a drone to cap, help capture him. He, his cartel received thousands of weapons from the Fast and Furious program, which was a total bust. Nobody on the left can defend Fast and Furious. Nope. It was a stupid idea. Yes, it was originated from, from the Bush administration. Right. Uh, Operation Wide Receiver on a much smaller scale. Right. And we didn't lose a, a Border Patrol agent. Nope. So, and, and, you know, this isn't to get into politics of right and wrong in, in that regard, because it was, it was terrible. It was a botched program. But once we got El Chapo, the Republicans who have been vocal on impeaching Obama... Um, finding Eric Holder in contempt because they won't give over these Fast and Furious documents. All of the stuff, they won't come out and say, we got public enemy number one. He was responsible for the for 80% of the drug trade in Chicago, killing thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. He was a terrorist. Right. A terrorist. Right. Behind Osama bin Laden. Right. Number, like, number one, we were looking for him. Right. He was affiliated with Hezbollah, bringing terrorists from Mexico across the United States. And the Republicans haven't said a word. Right. Now, if you want to hold to your truth, you can say Fast and Furious was a botched program, and we still think the administration is covering things up. But as part of, in the interest of protecting America and praising where praise should be given, Right. This was a huge victory because right. now we are protecting our border more. We are protecting our streets and our children. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I think a major part of... Okay. <laughs> a major part of me holding on... A major part of... I will say me. I work at this really hard. A major part of me holding on, uh, living in this world is about me not saying, I am my story. I am my history. I am known as that guy, and I need to hold that up because that's who it is that I am. Do you understand what I mean? So at some point, I get to do this. I get to go, I'm not my story. If I feel that something needs to be changed, I feel that I've changed. I need to let that go. But I think that so many people aren't surrendering to their truth because they don't know who it is that they would become if they finally said, wait a minute, I do love some gay people. Right. I do know gay people. Because they would say, oh, what, would I, what kind of person would I be seen as? And that's, again, the fear. Exactly. The fear that's is the, the driving factor. There's only, there are only two emotions. There's love and fear, and that's it. And fear is the driving factor because a lot of people are saying, oh, I don't know who it is that I would be. It's like you are whoever the fuck it is that you want to be at any moment. So when someone says uh, Tamara is a lawyer, it's like, yeah, that's true. But she's, she's an on-air person. Yeah, that's true. But you know what else she is? She's a tenant. She is a, a yoga student of yoga. She is a stand-up comedian. She is a human being on this planet. She's a shopper. Big shopper. A big shopper. You know what I mean? She owns a Rolex watch. She's a Rolex watch owner. Do you understand what I mean? You're not any of those things. You're all of those things and you're other things as well. But when people say, this is the picture that I have to, like Bill O'Reilly can, I don't, he cannot not do what it is that he's doing because it would throw off that on-air personality because he's no longer um, a human. And I don't mean to say that he's inhuman. He is a product. And Coca-Cola needs to taste like Coca-Cola. Well, I think that 
I may not agree with you in the sense that one of the one of the biggest fears in TV and in talent is that you have to constantly evolve. And I think that O'Reilly has evolved in the sense, and we don't necessarily need to talk about him, which I don't care. You know. This is called ADD comedy, <laughs> so you get to do whatever you talk about, whatever but, you want to talk about. But I think that um, I don't think, and 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 I don't want to be quoted on this, but I don't know what his original position was on the death penalty. But I know that now he is against it. Right. And so I think that one of the reasons why he has been so successful is because he has been able to change. But at the core of all that is this thing called Bill O'Reilly. You know what I mean? He's not going to come out in favor of anything that Hillary Clinton is doing. I don't think. Maybe he will. I think he will. You know, they're, they're, he's look at what he's done with... Um, interviewing President Obama, and right, and right. Valerie Jarrett was on a few weeks ago. Right, um, people, right. People, I think that he has a way, and that's what makes him the king of, of television and politics, really, is that he does have a way of perception that he's a product, but also an ever-evolving product. And actually, he is the guy that has, hasn't been afraid to change his positions with the times or whatever. I guess I need to watch more of him because I feel I, I and this is me because I'm uh, I'm stuck in time with him. And what I mean by when I say that is I have this perception of who it is that he is. And again, I want to be open toward that. So what you're telling me about Sean Hannity now, uh, and what you're talking about Ann Coulter now, that's going to be a tough one. What you're talking about with Ann Coulter, going, she's a really lovely person or whatever that is. I get to look at it and go, well, I like what Tam I like Tamara. I like her point of view. I, and if she says that then I'm going to take another look at it because I'm not going to be steadfast and concrete because I'm porous. I'm 95% water. You know what I mean? Right. And I get to change. And I want to change because the only constant is change and, and the only source of suffering is non-acceptance. The idea that if I want to go, fuck Ann Coulter, I just da 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 da, I'm going, what if she's a nice person? She has, and, 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 and this is honest to God truth, she has so many, and I'm not part of her inner circle by any means, but my my friends, my closest friends are really good friends with her. Mm -hmm. And she has so many loyal friends who are awesome, who, like I said, are, are my friends. And 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 I, one thing that I pride myself in is taking, is, is picking my friends wisely. And right. so I would like to say that she has good friends because they're my friends too. Um, and so I know that I think that that's also a way to gauge if somebody's a fraud. What is their what is their on-air personality like versus what what they're doing the other twenty hours of the day? Mm -hmm. And so somebody like Ann Coulter, who I know very loosely off-air, but who I also know has these amazing friends who love her and who spend time with her, it's all the more reason for me to say something positive about a woman who creates so much emotion out of people like we Boy. said and good or bad right. whatever it is and that's what i think is again makes somebody so successful i strive to be like her in many ways now it's not necessarily her politics her politics or her execution right but to to just everybody knows who she is and everybody whether it's good or bad, people going back to this full circle about what we just start, what we start talking about is that people, when she walks in a room, have an emotion. She's not going to be, she's not going to be somebody that sits at the end of the table and nobody wants to talk to. Right. Right. Don't. Right. One of the things about about that right there is if you want to be interesting, be interested. And I feel like anybody, my friends will talk to me and and ask me questions and not be one-sided. They'll be curious. I don't want to hang around with somebody who's, who's not curious, who's not, I don't want to hang around with anybody who's, who I feel like is not listening to me, is not paying attention to me. And if there's a softer side of Sears when it comes to Ann Coulter, I want to know about that. And if you say that that's who she is, then great. And who doesn't want, I don't know, maybe some people don't, who, who doesn't want to go in a room and, and have people talk with you and connect with you and be present with you, especially those of us who are in this industry wanting to change things. Right. Well, and also <laughs> to speak to somebody, there's a difference between wanting to, to 
spend time with somebody who has a reason for their opinion versus just opinion based on emotion. Right. And I remember during the Blagojevich <laughs> trial, I was speaking to Anne um, after a TV appearance in the green room here in right, right downstairs. And, uh, and she knew so much about the Chicago machine and, 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 and she had her opinions about Illinois politics and Chicago politics, which is democratic politics that I was just like, how do you know all of this stuff? Isn't it great? And that was, even though I didn't necessarily agree with what she was saying, you can't not respect somebody who knows so much about Chicago politics. I think it's also, uh, when you're saying that you want to be like her, that's one of the points that you want to be, because you're curious and you study and you look and you read and you take all this stuff in. And I, I think that as for me, as somebody who's a, stu a student of politics, for somebody who's an improviser, somebody who's an artist, I need to take all these things in from all the different sources that we have. So somebody where you go, Ann Coulter knows about Chicago. How does that happen? How does that happen? Because she is a curious person. And I'm she has friends <clears throat> and she has people who she has built relationships with who can help her mold her opinion where it's not just some opinion that, again, where I feel like America's failing in this divided culture is that we have these opinions. There aren't more Ann Coulters that are, take the, take the emotion out of it and, and her positions, but who can speak intelligently on a subject that you don't expect them to speak about. We're, we've become such a yes and no. Again, like, of course, gay marriage or gay behavior or or global warming. Yes, no. Yes, no. Yes, no. Well, okay, but what? Let's let's look at it from a different angle. Or and you don't even necessarily need to believe it. Like the, going back to this conversation with Anne about Chicago politics, I can't really remember what it was that she said, but maybe it was something about like Mayor Daley, for example. I don't know what it was, but it was just her statement alone that made me think. Okay, I'm going to go and research that. Is what she said about Mayor Daley um, act? Not that I was thinking that she was lying, but oh, I'm interested in that. I didn't know that he was part of this election or this. So it was just that comment, whether or not it was true or not, or 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 whether whatever emotion that conversation brought, it was that just bringing up the subject matter made me interested in looking into it. That's called inspiring, right? She inspired you. Yeah. She doesn't, and, and inspiration in itself, I don't think, I, I think inspiration in itself doesn't have a good or bad. Inspiration in itself is like a wind coming in. It's just you're inspired in some way. And, and, it, and, it make, and, and to be curious, I think, rocks. Right. And, and I think that what, what Ann Coulter and Sean Hannity do is they create that curiosity for me. And of course, Anne doesn't work for Fox. She is her own brand as well, and she can go on other networks, and, and she doesn't have her own shows. Mm -hmm. But um, she is she's more of a speaker, and whereas Sean has his show and he's his host. And um, but both of them have that ability. And isn't it interesting that I'm ta I continue to talk about these two conservative people? <laughs> it's very, very, very conservative people. Right. Right. But it's the fact that they are. What's inspiring to me, number one, I guess, is because I spend most time with conservatives. I'm not over at CNN or MSNBC. <laughs> so I can't really talk about Rachel Maddow. She may be the same. Um, but it's. Do you watch her? I do. I try not to watch political TV. I try not to watch TV at all. Um, but political TV. Why do you try not to watch TV at all? Well, when I watch entertaining TV, I have. I start to feel bad that I'm wasting my time. And it's unfortunate because I feel like it's a good way to check out or at least relate to the Kardashians or something. And, you know, I, I absolutely agree with that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I have TV. I've reduced it down to basic cable because I'm reading this book or I'm reading that newspaper article. Or I'm reading that thing or reading that thing or I'm cooking. Yeah, and, and I feel like when watching political TV for me, to me it's like it's it's 
going onto a job site, you're a construction worker and now you're going to somebody else's job site and you're watching what they do and how they do it and if they're doing it right and if you should be doing it this way or that way. And so it's mental work for me. Whereas if I just take my opinion from what I've read and not ha- go into anything with some with what Joe Scarborough said. Right. Or Chris Matthews said. Right. Or Sean Hannity said the night before. Right. It's too much work. Got it. Got it. And then you're taking away from me the, the improv aspect of being present in, a, in, you in know, an interview. I feel the same way about friends of mine who have written improv books. Because I feel like I don't want to know how you're doing things. I, it's, I just, it's too much information. And it also, it invades my creative process as well. Right, because then you're going to go into your next improv clinic and your friend Joe had just written about how you don't interrupt a student in a scene and you want to interrupt a student in a scene, for example. Right. And, and now he's in your head saying, don't do it, don't do right, it. Right, right, right. It's that judgment. It's that judgment that stops everything. Right. And, and that's not being present. But here's the, here's the thing about judgment is, if you're present with the judgment, that makes you present. If you say, oh, I, I, just, I just judged that, then at that moment, you were present with it. So it's okay to judge as long as you're present with your judgment. It's okay to be angry as long as you're present with that anger and you don't let it get out of control. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. And it's like anything where, where when you're, and we talked about improv and you, you said that that wasn't, that right now you're doing more stand-up than you are improv because when you're doing improv, you're in your head. Am I, is that yes. right? Right. So in those moments, you it's okay to be in your head as long as you are recognizing, oh, I'm in my head right now. I need to focus on my partner. Right. Except in my head is two, is, is, a, is a yin and a yang, two people, and not schizophrenically speaking. But I will constantly, in my head, and this is every day, my friend once said to me, you need to kill that gerbil that's living in your head in the wheel. Because it's that, yes, I should, yes, I should interrupt the scene. No, I shouldn't interrupt the scene. Yes, I should. No, I shouldn't. Yes, I should. No, you know? And so it's constantly. But what's also happening is you're saying it's constantly. And the minute that you keep saying it's constantly, then it's going to be constantly. <laughs> Instead of one day saying, I'm doing it right now. What do I have to do? Because it's not about the what you don't do. It's the what you engage in doing. So if I say, get out of your head, don't, get out of your head. If I say, get out of your head, and then I leave it at that, that's a fucked up thing to say. Because I got to tell you where to go. So if I say, get out of your head and get into your heart, then you go, oh, I'm in my head right now. Where do I have to go? Into my heart. Oh, those yin and yang, those two voices are in my head. What do I have to do? Not listen to them. What, so what do I have to do and not listen to them? Listen to what's going on with my partner right now. Paying attention. She's got her hand on her cheek. She's got her hand on her knee. She's looking at me. She's smiling. She has a watch. Her hair is up in a bunch. She's got, you know, look at that and just see what the fuck is going on right the fuck now. Right. And you can do that all the time. Yeah, but that's, that's something that you say with such ease because you're so good at it. And, but I wasn't always good at it. Well, that's why, what makes it an art. Right. And it also calms me down. So when you were, we were to meet at 10 o'clock, right? And you were stuck in the one, you were stuck on the one in a, in a tunnel. Okay, great. When you were stuck on the one in a tunnel, were you? Freaking? No. Okay, wait. Okay, great. Yes. Were you freaking? Great. But were you also in that, in that one train, in that tunnel, or were you here in your mind watching me look at my clock and fume in the lobby? Oh, that's, yes. Right? You, that wasn't true at all. I was not fuming in the lobby. I was standing in the lobby. Do you understand yes. what I'm saying? When you're on that train, be the fuck on that train because the moment that you start getting all riled up on the train, that doesn't help anything. You're on the train. Do you remember anybody that was sitting around you on the train? No. Right? That's where you fucking were. You were on the train. And you don't remember anybody on the train because you were in your head imagining, <laughs> fantasizing about me, excuse me, I'm not saying this, but yeah. you know, fantasizing about me fuming in the fucking lobby. But that's not what I was doing. Well, and then there's, and then the, the lesson in that is losing an opportunity. Losing an opportunity to just look at, as we discussed, I'm new, now doing stand up. So it's like, look at, looking at my surroundings because I could have had a 
I lost an opportunity for a joke. <laughs> I lost, you know, I, lo I lost an opportunity for... To be, no to be there. And here's the great thing about that. Anytime you want to do that, anytime you want to be present, be present. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the moment you go, oh my God, what am I going to make for dinner? What am I going to make for dinner? And then something, you just miss an opportunity right at that moment. It's okay to go in your head and say, what am I going to have for dinner? But you can't live in there. No. Because you live in this other world that, that is on the train and outside the train and all those other places. Right. And it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a more beautiful world than just being locked up in your own head. And, you know, another thing is, is that I, some, um, one of my performance coaches uh, one time said to me, look at, look at the world, get, get a, a fake pair of an imaginary pair, imaginary pair of rose-colored glasses. And just whenever you're freaking out or you think the guy isn't going to call you from a date or whatever, you just, like, have some movement, put on your rose-colored glasses, <laughs> and, like, see to yourself, the, see it from that angle or from that perspective. And it works. It does. It does. It does. Um, how often do you laugh at yourself? You know what I mean? Like, how often do you... So for me, something happens. I, something happens. I'm in a situation and something happens. Uh, oh, okay, so my watch, my band broke. And I reached in my pocket today and I was like, oh, my, my watch band broke. And I didn't go, God damn it, the watch band broke. I thought the watch band broke when it was in my pocket. Because if it broke when it was on my wrist walking down the street here, it would have slipped off my hand. Thank God it broke that way. Right. Do you understand? When that guy doesn't call you, which happens that day, a lot. Which happens a lot. I get that too. I understand. When it's like, really? No call, no text. When that happens, I, I look and I go, okay, that gives me time right now to read, to do my notes, to do this other thing. And when he calls me or when she calls me, she's going to call me. And if she doesn't call me, I can't sit thinking, oh, she's fucking some guy or whatever it's going to be. It's her loss. Right. <laughs> that's a hard lesson for me. If you hard... keep saying that is, then it makes it a no, hard lesson. No, it is not anymore. But it do you understand not... what I mean? Like no. at that moment to go, because you know what it feels like to make, you know what it feels like to, to, to get, uh, to, to go into that strom and drong and go, oh my God, and you, your stomach hurts. And yeah. at that moment that your stomach hurts, your mental capacity is making you sick. Right. So if you knew that you were allergic to avocados, wouldn't you stop eating avocados? Because you're going, oh, that feeling that I have, I can't feel that way anymore. How do I get out of it? I get out of it. Yeah. It's just a mental, mental check, a mental and, behaviors. And your body is telling you right now, my heart, my heart rate's going fast. I'm having trouble breathing. Why? Because I'm thinking about this thing. Oh, that's my body indicating to me to not pay attention to that thing anymore. Right. And to pay attention, but it's not not paying attention. It's throwing your attention on something else. It's a mental allergy. Maybe the next book. <laughs> the mental allergy. It is a mental allergy. That's exactly it. And you keep going towards those um, histamines. Well, then fucking stop doing the mental histamines, which is the name of the next band. The mental histamines. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's like um, um, peanuts. You know, like if you people are really allergic to peanuts nowadays. Right. Why would you continue to eat peanuts? That's exactly what I'm saying. Why would you continue to? have that mental thought that is making you crazy when all that you have to do is stop eating the mental peanuts. Right. And it's so easy. The thing is that's funny about this is that it's so easy to do it if, it if it's a peanut, a real peanut. You're like, oh, shit, I know that if I eat that, I'm going to be allergic to that. But the, the, the hardest thing is that the behavior, attach the, the peanut to a behavior or to a, a a situation with a person, you know, I'm allergic to that person. Right, right. And here's another thing. What if you stop thinking of it as something hard to do and thinking of it as something that it's fun to do? And when I say fun to do, it's like, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to do this right now. Right. I'm going to do this right now. Because if you keep saying, yeah, it's hard to do, as opposed to, oh, here's an opportunity for me to do that. Here's an opportunity for me to not eat that mental peanut. Right. Excited. It's, it's an excitement about about a, a decision, a, you know, about... Um... It's an exciting... You know what you're doing also in that moment? I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's also you're going, I like me, and I want to spend more time with me, and not more time thinking about something that is, is, 
that makes me feel bad about myself. Right. And again, that goes to, and I'm just thinking about, you know, the, the, the whole TV aspect is that instead of it being, I, I, I'm, people when they describe me, they say, you're often, you're the punching bag on Fox. You're the, you're the, that's what really what they say. You're the punching bag, the liberal punching bag. And instead, the improv part or the present, being present part, which is the same thing. Yes, it is. Is is getting off of the ropes right. and being in the middle. Changing where the ropes are. Do you understand right. what I mean? Because right now, other people saying that you're the punching bag doesn't make you the punching bag. You accepting the fact that they're right makes you the punching bag. If you call me an asshole, it doesn't make me an asshole. It makes you the guy that calls me an asshole. Right. If you say that I'm the punching bag, you get to feel whatever the way you want to feel about what it is that I'm doing. But really, if you can't go in and do your job if you think you're the punching bag, you get to go in and do your job because you are exploring and heightening and living your life and this is and it's spreading your fucking wings, which is what you've done. We haven't talked, we haven't reached any of the great things that you've done, the expunging things that you've done and, and that sort of stuff that you work with the prisoners. That's part of who it is that you are. You're also a, a, an artist and, you're, in, and you're, you're, a, you're a personality. And I don't mean to say that in a celebrity way, but you live large. And for somebody to say that you're a punchy bag, that's, that's what, you, you want to feel that way? You right. feel that way. That's not who I am. And here's another thing. You get to say whatever the fuck you want to say about me. And if you want to call me, you know, a, a modern day Farrah Fawcett, that, you can do that. That doesn't make me who I am. Right. And it's an easy thing, I think, for people to do is just call a name. It's easy sure. just to find somebody as, oh, she's crazy. She's, you know, a recent, uh, something that I'd never heard before until recently. I guess it's been around for a long time, but a libtard. Libtard. I don't even know why I brought this up. <laughs> but it's just funny because when people do call, it, it's finding the humor and even being called a name. Like, really? You're going to call me a libtard? What the hell is that? I don't know. It's really, it's... It's a stupid word. It's a, it doesn't work for me. If you're going to insult me, can you call me something a little more harsh? It, but it's not just a little more harsh. It's not even a clever portmanteau. You know, it's not one of those things where it's not, it's, it, it, it doesn't make, it doesn't work. It's not poetic. No. Libtard. It Ouch. makes you look, no one can say it and look good. No. Like right now I'm going, libtard. I'm, I look stupid just saying, libtard. <laughs> libtard. And no, and, and here's another one. What's a, is there a constard? Because that works better for me. A constard? A libtard and a constard? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I've know. never even, it's like sitting at the dinner table. If somebody, you were talking about whomever at, at, at the dinner table, politics, and you said, you know, that person is a real libtard. I can't imagine, at least if it were my family's dinner table, people saying, yeah, that person's a real libtard. What, what would you imagine yourself saying? You, did you say libtard? That's what I would yeah. imagine myself yeah, saying. What say did what? you just say? <laughs> right. And that's an and improvisation. I get to listen to, and, I, and you must know it while we're talking right now. I, I hear everything that you're saying, and I don't, and I take it in, and because what is inspiring to me in what you're saying? And if you say libtard, it doesn't matter how we got to that conversation, because right now we're going to fucking talk about that word. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and so when you're on the train and stuck in the tunnel, what a great metaphor that is. You're on a train stuck in a tunnel um, for someone being stuck in their life. When you're on that train being stuck in a tunnel, you're not stuck in a tunnel. You're on a train in a tunnel. Right. Your stuck is sticking with you as opposed to you saying, oh, we're, we're going to have this conversation about libtards. The moment you say libtard, I'm like, oh, we get to, oh, libtard. Let's talk about that because we've just entered into the... Act two of scene one. You know what I mean? We're in this different part of this conversation now. It's good. <laughs> it's really good. Let's end there. Awesome. What do you think? Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. If you'd like to see one of Dave's improv shows or one of my stand-up shows, you can get that information at addcomedy.com. If you want to take a class with Dave, that information is located on his website at davidrozowski.com. You can also follow Dave on Twitter at drozowski.
Today's episode was sponsored by Troubadour, a restaurant movie. A new movie by Group Mind Films portraying an accurate, sometimes funny, and sometimes cringe-inducing glimpse at restaurant life. Troubadour, a restaurant movie. Available to watch in its entirety online for only $5 at groupmindfilms.com.